Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Welcome to Redemption's Table. Here we are, brand new year, brand new decade. It is 2020, folks, and I hope that your new year is off to a good, solid start. I am very reflective at this particular time of year, not only thinking about the year ahead, but thinking about the year that we just enjoyed and lived and that adventure. And before I go on to the next adventure of a new year, I like to pause and consider where I've been. And so that's kind of what we're doing today. I've invited back uh, someone who's been to the podcast before, uh, my good, good friend, Kenny Lenore. Kenny, welcome to the table again. Thank you. It's good to be at the table again. <laughs> you, uh, you, you are an employee with, get it right here, Barnes & Noble. That's right. Okay. Whew, I'm off, off the hook on that. All right, Barnes & Noble, and you've been, how long have you worked with them? I have worked with them since 2000, so I'm going on my 20th year. Okay. Yep. All right. And you, you're there in that environment during the day and then on weekends you pastor a church in Chilton County, Alabama, so you're a minister as well. That's right. It's a small church, Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Chilton County. I worked as a youth director there in the late 70s, early 80s and uh, was called back to preach then about three years ago. Okay. You're a good, good friend. I've told you this. uh, I would be at your church on Sunday mornings often to hear you preach if I was not speaking somewhere on a regular basis. I am grateful for the gift of God in you, of how you have the ability to weave in something from a, you, something that you're reading. Uh, you bring everything together really, really well in a message and I always leave after hearing God speak through you in a contemplative uh, frame of mind. And I thought to reflect on these various forms of media like film and books and and music, who better to talk with than Kenny Lenore? Uh, well, thanks. I hope that uh, the conversation is going to be interesting then for people. Well, I believe it will be. I The last time you came to the table, you referenced a book uh, uh, All the Light We Cannot See, is that the name of it? That's right, yep. One of our listeners read that book because they heard you mention it, and then that particular listener who was later on the podcast, Steph Cherry, gave me a copy of the book, or her copy after she read it for me to read, and so I have it in my library awaiting to be read. Mm. 
And I think my point where we're headed with this particular podcast is not only to reflect on what we've seen and heard and read this past year, but the idea of learning the art of leaning forward in our lives. And the art of leaning forward to me is where you're always expecting God to speak. You're not sure where He's going to speak. It may be through a film. It may be through something you read. It may be through a conversation just like this. Those moments, God may lay something on you that may wind up being the pivotal thought, pivotal word, pivotal direction for the entire year. I believe God is always speaking to us. That's part of the impetus for this podcast. Mm-hmm. I picked the place to eat today because I've heard you talk about this place for over a year now. Where did we eat today? Herds Barbecue and Soul Food in Maplesville, Alabama. And um, I've never had a bad meal there. It was awesome. Yeah, it's great. Everything. Always great. Yeah. What yeah. do we have today? Uh, we had his uh, award-winning fried catfish. and uh, That's one of two great restaurants I know of in Maplesville, Alabama. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I drive over here probably once a week at least and, uh, and eat. And, and I think the thing that's so great about it is uh, the fact that uh, the owner is such a great guy. He and his wife do such a wonderful job, and they're great people. I do a lot for the community, and so uh, not only is he a fantastic chef, but uh, just a good guy. Yeah, it was great food. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that was excellent catfish. Yeah. They gave us tartar sauce. No, I didn't use mine. I did not. No, <laughs> I, I, I sampled it. It was good, but the, I mean, it was just well seasoned. So mm-hmm. check it out, folks. Herd's yep. Barbecue. Yep. You, you heard it here. No pun intended. So. <laughs> Well, Kenny, I've given you the steering wheel for this podcast because there it is laid out before you. You talk about any of these things you wish to talk about, and then you can flip the coin back to me. And so here we well, go. Well, uh, I think I'm just going to start on the left over here with quotes. Okay. Um, I, I was thinking about quotes that I've heard maybe this past year or maybe within the last two years on uh, that have meant a lot to me that have made me reflect or think more about um, my life and about the way God works. And um, one of the quotes that I recall, I think, is a quote from a member of my church. Um, uh, This lady, uh, her name is Sue Smith. And um, she's actually my former mother-in-law, um, but um, they were having going through a, a kind of a hard time with um, a, a situation with a sister of hers who um, has since passed away, uh, just trying to get um, care for her and uh, a place for her to, to live where she would be uh, safe and cared for. And they were making trips uh, weekly almost all the way down to Foley, Alabama um, and, and staying down there and trying to get this taken care of. And I got a text one day from her and I, you know, we'd all been praying for her and, and, and the situation and I got a text from her one day that said this, God is never stingy with His grace. We were kept busy all day yesterday watching Him giving solutions to problems. Mm. And I 
I don't even know what to say about that. I've, 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 I've mentioned that to her numerous times about just how impactful that quote was to me because a lot of times all we have to do is just step back and, and let him work. And um, he solves problems like like I can't solve them, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. It is, it's a matter of perspective. If, if you want to see a problem, you'll find it. And you can focus on the problem. If you want to see God at work or hear God speak, listen or watch. And He does, and He will. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other quote, and I'm always drawing from uh, this gentleman. Uh, it's from John Claypool. Mm hmm. And um, and I don't know how many times I've gone back to this, but um, this quote, another I forget which book it was from that I read, but it was it's, it's this. It's the real meaning of mercy is that it can look on the failure and still see a future. And uh, that rings true so much in my life because uh, just growing up, always in church, uh, being married. Uh, being divorced and then going through a time whenever uh, I didn't want to darken the doors of a church mm -hmm. or really hear anything about God, uh, I could have looked back on my life for uh, at least a decade in the early 2000s and thought, what a train wreck, you know? And, um, but God. In His mercy, He looked beyond all of my failures, and there were my failures, mm -hmm. and um, saw a future. I would never have thought in a million years that three years ago that I would have been asked to come back and be a pastor mm -hmm. at a church. And that's just, again, God's working. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's funny. I keep a, a journal, a five-year journal. I reviewed my five-year journal, 365 things that I placed in there. And sometimes it's things that happen, other times it's quotes. I have one John Claypool quote for this past year, and it's that quote. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really is. That's powerful. Yeah. Probably yeah. the quote that's guided my year the most and made the most impact on me, the theologian Dallas Willard was visited by the pastor John Ortberg, John Ortberg. He's an author and pastor. And Ortberg had gone to him to seek counsel for the ministry and the pace of ministry and what advice would you give me in serving people in Jesus' name. And he said, Dallas Willard spoke these words as if he had given it great thought and evidently had with his own life, but he just automatically told Ortberg, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hmm. And that has stuck with me. I catch myself getting caught up in whatever and gaining momentum in whatever. And I keep going back to that. To, to avoid that adrenaline rush that's a negative adrenaline rush where, where it's, it's working against us, our speed, and we're moving too fast. Uh, we're getting out ahead of God. We're not seeing what we should see. We find ourselves trying to get from point A to point B 
too fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've adhered to that, and I remind myself of it all, all over and over again. Was it, I don't know if it was in the, the discipleship study we did uh, on the Batterson book, uh, but it may have been Batterson that said this, but I want to say that there was a quote somewhere uh, that was made that said, busyness is the new smoking. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's ruining people's lives and health, just like smoking did for, yeah. for a generation or two. But that's what I've heard. And you think about it, yeah, uh, so many of us are just too busy. Yeah. With, we think about it, trivial things. Yeah. A lot of it is anyway, I think, yeah. Mid-December, this year coming into Christmas, was had a lot of responsibility on my plate. This is my quote, and it just popped into my head one morning during quiet time. I thought, busy is a thief. Because, again, it, I think busy keeps us from doing what we're talking about, the art of leaning into a conversation or listening for God to speak. We get busy. Our mind gets busy. Mm-hmm. Things blow right by us. We're not catching mm-hmm what we need to be catching. Uh, that may be the most important thing said of the day, but we were so, our cogs were yeah. flying so fast. Yeah, yeah. There's another quote, uh, Frederick Buechner. And I read one of his books this year, Crazy Holy Grace, A Crazy Holy Grace, which was a new book, but it was actually a compilation of a lot of things he'd done before with a couple of new things thrown in. And Buechner says this, and this was actually from one of his earlier books, I believe, The Alphabet of Grace. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Oh. Wow. That's deep gladness, deep hunger. That's deep. Yeah. 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 And that generated a prayer for me. Lord, bring me to that place. That's where I want to be with you. Mm -hmm. Do you want to move then? From, uh, yes. Do you want to move then from quotes to books? Since Go ahead. You've, since you've just come up with a quote from a book. Yeah, sure. Um, um, well, I've find I found myself reading quite a bit of uh, Timothy Keller this year. Um, uh, cousin of mine um, uh, in Texas, um, he. He text messaged me and said, have you ever heard of Tim Keller? I said, man, I've been reading his books and he's just discovered him and he said he's really opened his eyes. But I think that one of my, um, it's not necessarily a quote, I guess, from the book, but this book is called The Prodigal God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read it. I have not. But um, it, it seems an odd an odd term. Mm -hmm. I always thought I knew what the word prodigal meant. Mm -hmm. I always thought wayward, you know, prodigal, wayward. And and then you go to the dictionary, the collegiate dictionary or whatever, and prodigal means, according to the dictionary, recklessly spendthrift. And, you know, it's easy to see where the young son in the story of the prodigal son, if you want to call it that, Jesus never called it that because he begins the story with there were two sons. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all it, he says. He be, there were two sons. And um, he goes on to say, of course, the young son was spendthrift with the inheritance he got. Mm-hmm. 
But the father was just as reckless with what he did. Um, and he goes on to say in the book, the father's welcome to the repentant son was literally reckless because he refused to reckon uh, or count his sin against him or demand repayment. Mm. And then he goes on to say that St. Paul wrote this, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not reckoning to them their trespasses. And so I think that my favorite quote in this book is this, Jesus is showing us the God of great expenditure, mm. uh, who is nothing if not prodigal toward us, his children. Wow. So recklessly extravagant in his grace toward us. I love that term, reckless, life-changing grace, because reckless grace is really, well, our only hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Our sound guy who, who does the mixing for the podcast every week, Chris McLean's going to love that because he is a huge Tim Keller uh, fan. Tim Keller has taught him so much. Uh, and I need, I need to read that book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump genres just for a split okay. second. We're going to go right back to, to books but because it ties in with what you just said. Uh, when it comes to music this year, there are three particular songs that stick out and in, in that, that caught my attention. And the last one, just in the month of December, uh, an artist by the name of Jess Ray. She's a female singer. She sang with Andrew Peterson during his Behold the Lamb of God 20th anniversary tour. And she sang one of her songs called Too Good. Uh, and the, the chorus is talking about, it's talking about God, but it's also talking about grace. She's trying to reach out to somebody who's evidently punishing themselves, cutting themselves, abusing alcohol, drugs, and she just says, uh, if it seems too good, uh, you know, it, it, it may be too good to be understood, but it's not too good to be true. Hmm. And I love that line. That's great. Uh, and that ties right into a God that's so wasteful with His grace. Yeah. It's like He's not stopping. And his righteousness is there, his, his justice is there, his wrath is real too, but nevertheless it's always with the purpose of bringing us to grace and helping mm -hmm. us comprehend and understand grace. Mm -hmm. So that just fits in. <laughs> Let me jump then to another book. And it's a book that I'm just now reading. Um, I haven't finished it, but it was recommended to me by uh, a, a fellow bookseller and it's called Ordinary Grace. It's by William Kent Kruger. And one of the um, statements in the book, and this is a 40-year-old man who is reflecting back on a summer where there were some deaths, suicides, all in his small town in Minnesota where he lived. And he was the son of a minister. But he says, I still spend a lot of time thinking about the events of that summer about the terrible price of wisdom, the awful grace of God. Mm. And I've, I've got to read this book to understand what he's talking about, about the awful grace of God. I know that he explains in there that there was a Greek playwright, Aeschylus, mm -hmm. who uh, says something about wisdom is only gained from the awful grace of God. But I know that Aeschylus was 400 years before Christ. Mm -hmm. And so it's not talking about our 
Christian God, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But I, that, I'm sorry to get off topic no, there. No, 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 your own topic. But that, uh, that, that just amazes me whenever you say the awful grace of God. Yeah. Maybe that's reckless grace as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go to a book. Oh, and I've already referenced one of my three books which that I read this year that kind of floored me was John Ortberg's Soul Keeping. And the premise of the book came right out of that conversation with Dallas Willard that eliminate, ruthlessly eliminate rush, hurry from your life. And this book just, again, it was, the focus of this was attending to to your soul and allowing God to tend to your soul in such a way, giving God the time he needs to restore you, to keep you fresh, to keep you uh, in tune with Him. We take care of every other aspect of our bodies, but are we keeping our soul? Are we, are we keeping it uh, in a healthy state? And I, I don't, I think I've already hit the main quote <laughs> from this. Uh, but it's uh, it's just a really good read. But if they're a good, if it's a good book, there are many quotes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Full of them. Um, whenever we were talking about books, uh, and I was mentioning the Prodigal God, I also read. I think prior to the Prodigal God, I read a Timothy Keller book called The Prodigal Prophet. Um, it's a book that uh, parallels the story of Jonah the f- mm-hmm. with the story of the two sons. The first two chapters of Jonah, Jonah's running away from God's mm-hmm. call, just like the younger son runs away from the father. The last two chapters of Jonah is Jonah's repented and actually gone to Nineveh, although he didn't want to, uh, but he's gone and he's preached to the people there and they've repented. Mm. But that doesn't really satisfy. Mm-mm. He's pretty angry that God actually has shown them mercy. And so he's sitting out on the hill waiting on to see what God's going to do to them. And that parallels the story of the older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why have you shown such mercy to this one who has wasted so much? Um, and, and that's just another great book. Again, if you're looking for book recommendations, mm-hmm. anybody on listening to the podcast, another great book is Timothy, Timothy Keller, Prodigal Prophet. Uh, and the, one of the quotes in there was uh, Keller, he, he contemplates, was the story of Jonah in the back of Jesus' mind whenever he was telling the story of the prodigal son? Yeah. You know, was it? I mean, possibly. I, I could see that it could be because yeah. when you tied those two together, he tied those two together. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed within the last five or ten years, I forgot when it came to my mind, understanding, is that both of those stories, the account of Jonah, and the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal sons, as I call it, mm-hmm. uh, both of those end on cliffhangers. They do. There's no resolution. We never know what the, happens to the older son. Uh, yeah, we don't. Well, we don't know what happened to Jonah either. Right. If, if after he had that little conversation with God about the, the vine and, mm-hmm. uh, and the gourd and plant, yeah. if he ever chilled <laughs> out and said, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. You're sovereign, I'm not. <laughs> Uh, well, I've mentioned, as far as books go, um, and you mentioned All the Light We Cannot See, which, again, is still one of my favorite books. Um, maybe one of my favorite books of the year, and I don't really know. I'm, I'm still trying to, to work out 
the redemptive story in this. I guess there was a story of redemption. It's called Where the Crawdads Sing, okay. Sing uh, by Delia Owens. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, again, a, a, a great story, but a beautifully written book. And I think that's what, one of the things that drew me to that book. A lot of people thought, oh, you're not going to like that, but I, I loved it. Mm -hmm. But I'm still trying to work out where the redemption is and everything in there. Um, and then the, I guess the final book, is, if, I wanted, if you want me to mention one more, is a book by a, a naturalist who I don't believe is a, is a Christian at all, but his name is Lauren Isley, mm -hmm. and it's called The Immense Journey. Okay. Um, one particular thing in this book um, is a story where he is uh, on a mission. He was um, um, anthropologist going out, and they had uh, been asked to collect some wildlife for uh, a zoo in Europe. Mm -hmm. And they were in Colorado. And uh, they found this deserted cabin that had holes in the roof and everything from pioneer days possibly. And so he thought, well, that'll be a great place for birds to nest at night. And so we'll go and see what we can find. And he went in there and he got a light out and he got a ladder up. And he reached in and he shone the light down and there was all of a sudden flapping of wings and he grabbed a bird and all of a sudden another bird just started attacking his hand and so he had to let go but he held on to this other bird that was attacking him and it turns out that it was a sparrowhawk wow. and um, the other one had gotten away I guess the the bird that had attacked his hand had saved the other one's life basically and the hawk was just I mean he had kind of succumbed to the capture uh, but Isley said I don't know what prompted me to do this, but he said the next morning, it was one of those beautiful mornings, the sun was bright, I got out and I took the bird out of the cage and I held it tight and the bird was just kind of staring off into that bright, bright sunshine, somewhere that he could not see. And he said, I guess I knew I was going to do this anyway, but he said, I just put the bird down on the ground. He said, it just lay there for a while. I don't know if it realized that it had, he had let go of it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was off. Out of his sight, soaring. And he said he heard this cry coming from way above. And he said, it turned out that it wasn't the bird that I had just let go. Mm -hmm. He said, it was that mate that had been circling for no telling how long. Wow. Just waiting, you know. And so they met just in this dance in midair and then they were gone and to me if that isn't a picture of what it's going to be like at the end of my life mm -hmm. whenever I go and meet those saints that have gone on before me I mean I don't know any more beautiful picture than that yeah. you know a welcome a cry going hey wow Kenny's here you know coming from a book that's really not by a a Christian man, but yeah. I thought this is fantastic, you know. Yeah, and that's a beautiful example right there. You have that uh, that ability to hear God whispers, mm -hmm. coming from you know a, a naturalist, and just that that's a powerful illustration, beautiful illustration. You do that so well. You do, and when you preach, you weave these things together really well. That's God's got a good gift in you, Kenny Lenore. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to one of my recommendations, uh, Bob Goff, Everybody Always. Mm -hmm. And if you know Bob Goff at all, he is one of the 
most positive people you'll, you'll ever meet. He says he writes books for the mechanic who may have a seventh grade, eighth grade education who doesn't necessarily know all these theological terms. It's amazing how well he writes. It's sim simple wisdom, but said in such a way that, that it, it's, uh, it's always profound. But the thing I loved about this book, this was his second book, in the title of the book, Everybody Always, the subtitle, Becoming Love in a World Full of Setbacks and Difficult People. This story toward the end reads a little bit like a novel, a true novel, or, or, or nonfiction, in that the last several chapters suddenly begin pick up on a story of something amazing that God has allowed Bob to do. And I'm not going to give away this story, but it's worth reading because the last four or five chapters well, it leveled me just the surprises that are here in something that he, he is uh, trying to think of his official name. He, he serves as the honorary consul for the Republic of Uganda to the United States. And it's amazing how he, he even stepped into that role. But there's just some tremendously redemptive, beautiful things along the lines of that story you just shared of the the Sparrowhawk being set free that will just go wow and then suddenly there's something I'm not going to give it away but there's something even about the entire book when you get to the end chapter you're going to go back and you're going to look at the cover again and go wow so <laughs> I'm just throwing it this, this one this one is is worth picking up and reading what about film movies um, I think we were already talking before mm -hmm. I haven't seen that many new movies this year. I've seen a handful. Yeah. One that I saw that I could not and may not ever be able to get a redemptive message from is John Wick 3. Yeah, I didn't see so that one either. So anybody listening to the podcast that got a good message from it, get in touch with Robert and he can get in touch with me. <laughs> okay. I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, what, I, what I did see this year and I'm way behind, but I'm not necessarily a new film, but I had never seen Million Dollar Baby. Good movie. Yeah. yeah. I'd never seen it. And, um, I mean, again, tough old boxing trainer Clint Eastwood brought, brought down to the very heart of his life by this young girl. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just it's, it's one of the best Eastwood films I think I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I mean, there was redemption there for him. There was redemption there for her, even though she, at the end, uh, goes the way she goes. Um, I, 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 I love this one quote whenever she's trying to get him to take her on, uh, to train her. And um, this is pretty long, but she says, I'm 32, Mr. Dunn, and I'm here celebrating the fact that I spent another year scraping dishes and waitressing, which is what I've been doing since 13. And according to you, I'll be 37 before I can even throw a decent punch, which I have to admit, after working on this speed bag for a month, may be the God's simple truth. 
other truth is my brother's in prison, my sister cheats on welfare by pretending one of her babies is still alive, my daddy's dead, and my mama weighs 312 pounds. If I was thinking straight, I'd go back home, find a used trailer, buy a deep fryer and some Oreos. Problem is, this the only thing I ever felt good doing. If I'm too old for this, then I've got nothing. Is that enough truth to suit you? Wow. Just goes from there, but I love, I love those lines. Yeah. That, that, that line there, uh, somebody that was, uh, again, she could have stayed in her little box, mm -hmm. her little fortress, and lived whatever life. But she was not fearful about stepping out and uh, doing something else. Um, and I, I, just, I think, I mean, I'm, I might have to watch the movie again at some point, but. I can't believe it had been so long, and it had been out so long, and I had never seen it. Uh, another, another quote from a movie. It's from the movie Hook. Okay. Yeah, you know the Robin Williams Robin movie. Robin Williams, yeah. Dustin um, Hoffman. Maggie Smith plays Wendy, mm -hmm. the old Wendy, in this movie, and uh, Robin Williams, as you know, is again a man who's too busy. Mm -hmm. He's just too busy with his uh, work. Uh, not a, not busy enough. I mean, too busy to go watch his boy play baseball, uh, or to be really a father that he needs to be. But they make this trip because he's going to be accepting some kind of an award over in England, and so they stay uh, while they're there with Wendy. Mm -hmm. And uh, while they're there, Wendy is reading Peter's children all of these stories mm -hmm. about Pan and all of this stuff, and. At one point, while she's reading the children these stories that Peter thinks is nonsense now, she just looks up at him and she says, Peter, the stories are true. Mm. And, um, you know, I like a once upon a time story or mm -hmm. a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away story just as well as anybody. Mm -hmm. But when I think back on, especially reflecting back on the Christmas season and how the story of Jesus mm -hmm. begins with the genealogy or with, with it set in a time in history when Caesar was emperor governor. I have to just look at everybody in my congregation sometimes or anybody else that's wanting to listen to it and I go, this is not just a once upon a time. This mm -hmm. is not just a long time ago. The stories are true, mm -hmm. you know. They're true. It may seem too good to be understood, but it's not too good to be true. Right. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's true. Wow. So. That's good. Yeah. So, films? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've, I'm like you. I like to say I haven't seen a whole lot, but the films that, that kind of caught my attention this year, a couple of them are from past years that I just did not see them, and I'm just going to kind of hit on them. Uh, quickly, one is I don't know if you've seen the movie directed by um, Kevin Kevin uh, Kevin Costner's director from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Kevin Reynolds. Mm -hmm. He he directed a movie Risen, which is about the centurion put in charge mm -hmm. of finding the body of Christ after the resurrection. I wanted to go see it when it was at the theater. I kind of just didn't make it to it. Mm -hmm. And here it is, a first-class Hollywood director 
just it's an incredible movie and what I really loved about it was the way that the resurrected Jesus is depicted totally unlike any other depiction I've seen you know greatest story ever told George Stevens wonderful classic a lot of those are, are almost too steeped in King James and this Jesus resurrected Jesus was real he was everything you would expect from a man who just had come back from the dead mm-hmm. it's a it's a wonderful movie I highly recommend it um, another movie that I had missed a couple of years ago directed by Steven Spielberg which he directed hook mm-hmm is the movie Bridge of Spies. Have you seen that? No. It's based on a true story. Tom Hanks, I love Tom Hanks. He, he plays, uh, he pl- often plays a real life character. He's been Walt Disney, this year he's Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. I've seen that movie, by the way. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, excellent film. But in this one, Bridge of Spies, I don't know, it may have been the trailer that kind of made me just push it to the background and not give it a lot of thought, but when I actually saw the movie, there was something going on during the Cold War where we had uh, caught a Russian spy and then one of our airmen is over Russian uh, territory flying a spy mission uh, and he comes down and it's about, it's, it's Tom Hanks negotiating. He defends, first he defends this Russian spy on American soil and he is vilified for it. And his family is vilified for it. It's back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. McCarthyism. And, but he foresees the possibility of what actually happens in the film where this particular spy that they've caught, instead of having him executed, you know, there might be a situation coming in the future where we'll need to take this spy and trade for one of our own. And he's the man who, who coordinates all of that. And that's not his background. He's, uh, I forgot, he's some kind of lawyer, but it's, it's some kind of, it's maybe real estate law or something like that. Uh, and it's just, it's just a wonderful, real character in history who stood in the gap of something tremendous, peace between two countries, were, were, but were being threatened, actually three countries, and, and he pulls it off. And the Russian guy looks at Tom Hanks when he's having one of those uh, lawyer-client discussions in jail, and he tells him a story about a man who, when the, the Russian police came to his village, there was a man who they would beat him up trying to get truth out of him that what they you know wanted to hear and he would never give them anything but every they would beat him up he'd get up on his feet they'd beat him up he'd get on it up on his feet and he said standing man we called him standing man and he said that's my name for you you are standing man because he was in a fight where he was in some ways in over his head but he never backed down from truth and ultimately it was the the ending is tremendously redemptive mm but nobody sees all this coming, not even the viewer. So wow. Excellent films. Good. Bridge of Spies. All right. On the list. Yeah. Both of them yeah. on the list. Yeah. The, the other one from this year that I really, really liked, just because of the novel approach of it, Danny Boyle's Yesterday. Oh. <laughs> Where somebody, by some fluke in the, uh, 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 some fluke in uh, a worldwide event that causes a time outage all, or a light uh, electrical outage all across the world. This musician, struggling musician, 
gets hit by a vehicle, knocks off his bicycle. When he comes to, he comes in back into a world where no one knows who the Beatles are. <laughs> and has never heard a Beatles song. Wow. But yet, because he's a struggling musician, he's always doing covers. And he's the only one who knows the Beatles songs. <laughs> and it is wonderful, just that whole premise and, and where all it leads to. It was just a, a good movie. It'll be one that I will probably buy the Blu-ray someday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that either, but love the Beatles, so yeah, yeah got to watch it. It was awesome. Okay, so um, well, we've talked about quote book film. We have music. Let's go for music. Music. We've got time for music. Oh yes, we do. Um, Always time for music. Well, there again, I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm slacking on, on new music I've heard. One of my favorite artists uh, is an Irishman um, who played in the band The Frames, Cole McConamere. Um, he um, is a violinist, and mm -hmm. um, he's put out several uh, CDs, and I'll go on line and listen to his music all it's it's always just uh, uh, like any Irishman it's it's it can bring you to tears at sometimes and it is uplifting as well and I just love listening to to it mm -hmm. um, not necessarily words but just the the, the music itself uh, it draws out so many emotions and I think that's why one of the uh, actually two of the the young people at, at my church uh, they play in uh, the band at, at Jemison High School, and um, I went to their concert this year. And the uh, the concert band, they did a piece by Frank Ticelli. It's called an American Elegy, and it was written by this composer uh, as a response to the Columbine school shootings. Okay. It's a piece that's about uh, I guess ten to twelve minutes long, but it just takes you the full range of emotions um, as you would expect um, from from tragedy to just soaring hope um, uh, I, I mean the only thing I can say is just look it up on YouTube or look it up somewhere and listen to it American Elegy okay. it's, it's it's beautiful I mean I've listened to it I don't know how many times whenever I find found out what they were going to be playing that night. I wanted to kind of familiarize myself with the music and so I went ahead and listened to it and uh, I got to say the job that that high school band did on this was just outstanding. It was wow. amazing. Yeah. So there are two artists or two pieces of music that that I've discovered this year that I really have loved just listening to. I'm going to dig into that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh you know, I've already shared one of my three songs that has just deeply struck me. I'll go to the number two. That was too good as the number three. The uh, number two song is a song by my friend Ross King. Uh, and the song is The Things That I'm Afraid Of. I listened to it last night. It's a good song. Great song. And he, uh, he and it would, been a, it would have been my top song of the year if it hadn't been for one other song. Uh, he released, Ross released a a slower paced version of the song toward the end of the year around November mm -hmm. uh, but it's just an excellent song and he just uh, I mean it's it's a song that's honest about 
people struggling with depression or you know, the, just the struggles, which mental health issues that we have such an epidemic in our country, uh, people struggling with these issues. And the hook for me of the song, he says, I I've walked through the valley of shadows and it scared me half to death. But you're with me, talking about God, you're with me everywhere I go, so I don't give up yet. My fear would surely kill me if I didn't know the truth. Here it comes. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. Yeah, I love that line. Yeah, it's like, yeah. wow. It's yeah. like God's behind us and whatever it is that is in our path, He's going, boom. Yeah. Gone. Gone. Yeah. But my favorite song of the year, and really the artist that I have discovered, and I'm looking forward to 2020 deep diving all of his music is Andrew Peterson. I don't know how this song came to me back around the Easter season. Uh, the song is, Is He Worthy? A lot of people know it through Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin did not write this song. Andrew Peterson did, and, mm. and I discovered his version first. And it's maybe my favorite praise and worship song of all time, because it asks questions expecting a response from the congregation. Uh, do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. And just that kind of back and forth between himself and, and, and making us think because he's raising questions. Um, and uh, there's another line here. Um, is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. <laughs> I don't know. Just that, that song has, and it's still on my playlist at the yeah. forefront. Wow. And the video is awesome. The, the video he does inside a church. <laughs> it's, it, it, was, it was meant to be like a seamless cut with no, uh, no takes, no interruptions. Very much like the movie that's coming out, mm. and it'll be in the theaters here in a couple of weeks, 1917. It's my understanding that World War One movie is is one shot, and a whole movie with one shot. Wow! Which I don't know that's that, that's been attempted mm -hmm. since Alfred Hitchcock tried it back in the 1950s with a movie called Rope. Mm. So, wow. <laughs> but those are my three songs. Is he worthy? Things <laughs> that I'm afraid of. Too good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to definitely check out those. In it looks like maybe maybe have one topic left. What's that? Food? Food. That's hard. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, it's a good thing this is not a video because you would know that I love food if it was. <laughs> but um, I was just thinking, I, and we talked a little bit earlier, uh, I got a gift this Christmas from my um, youth Sunday school class and, and um, a couple of the ladies in the church. And they uh, brought me uh, about 10 to 12 jars of jams and jellies. I love it. And just beautiful colors. I mean, I had 
elderberry jam, cantaloupe jam, pear jelly, pear jam, um, scuppernong jelly. Uh, I'm trying to think of everything uh, else, but there was this one kudzu jelly <laughs> that I have, and it's delicious. I'd love to try it. I mean, it's it. delicious. And you think, and I was thinking about that, something that's as, I don't know, as annoying as, or as kudzu. I mean, and you think, you look at it and you go, completely worthless. Oh, now I know cows like to eat it mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, and so it must be high in protein, but, but it just seems like it's such a nuisance. Uh, because it just spreads everywhere that can anything good come out of that and this kudzu jelly is one of my favorites I mean it's just so sweet and delicious um, again there you go can anything good come out of Nazareth well, well you know can anything good come out of kudzu yeah yeah I mean if something good can come out of of all things kudzu mm -hmm. uh, boy you know Something good can come out of pretty much anything. Yeah, I, think. I, need, I need to reach out to Ryan O'Hara, who he and his wife own and operate a Big Spoon Creamery in ah. Birmingham, yeah. because they are always uh, com coming up with these innovative flavors of ice cream, and it's incredible. So I'm like, there's you a Southern classic kudzu. Kudzu, <laughs> definitely. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's that's my. Uh, if I had a, a food of the year, I guess that would be it, maybe. <laughs> One of the things I love at Christmas, and I get to do it every other year, my kids, my son and my daughter and their families come every other year for Christmas. The other year, they're going to the in-laws. Mm -hmm. um, they live in Texas. I live in Alabama. And so I love the Christmas Eve meal. Ideally, after worship, but sometimes now they both have real small kids. And so this year, to be able to set the table, it's maybe the meal I most look forward to for the year. And I try to do different things. I, I like to cook, don't have the opportunity to do so often, but this year I, I had done shrimp and crab angelatas before. That's what we had. And I like to say, that's about the second or third time I've made that. But I came across a recipe. When I saw the recipe, I thought, I've got to try this. It's sweet potato angelatas. Sounds good. It was awesome. Uh, and, and I love the fact that I, my daughter, Lauren, and my uh, daughter-in-law, Callie, they ha helped me because I'm a slow cook. If it says it takes 50 minutes to make something, it's going to take me two hours. Uh, and so I had everything prepped. I did all my prep work, but they were helping me. But it's, uh, it uses sweet potatoes, obviously, uh, cream cheese, oregano, uh, cumin, uh, those ingredients are a few other ingredients. It was it was absolutely delicious, and makes me want to make it again. Mm -hmm. uh, so that would be my and that that was discovered late in the year. Yeah. Uh, well, you're talking about Christmas and Christmas Eve. Uh, it's been a tradition with uh, my family uh, since my parents passed away. Anyway, that my um, we would go to my brother's mm -hmm. house, and now that. Um, his wife has passed away. We go to my oldest nephew's house, but it was a tradition now for years that what we would have on Christmas Eve was just a big pot of vegetable soup. And um, when I'm talking about a big pot, I'm talking about you could have fed 
fifty people with this wow. with this pot, and you know they were like maybe ten of us there, you know. But it's just, and and I don't know if it's if just being with them mm -hmm. makes everything taste better or not. Mm -hmm. But because my my nephew's wife is a wonderful cook, um, and but it's just something about the whole family gathering and something I maybe too like you said that you look forward to yeah. for 365 days and then I get thinking about how sweet is it going to be whenever we go to be with Jesus Yeah, we've been looking forward to for years and years and years uh, just like that soup it's not going to be disappointing that's for sure yeah yeah. <laughs> and and never uh, never a moment of eternity without surprise. Yeah. I, I don't I, I, when people think of a static heaven I'm like, "Oh, wow, you're really uh, limiting your creator." Uh I I think it'll be an eternity of uh fellowship with him, but also just wonder. He'll give mm -hmm. us plenty to chew on mm -hmm. at that banquet. It's been a rich time. I've uh, enjoyed our conversation, and I'm grateful we did this. Took the time before the year gets to rolling along fast and furious, where we have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for coming, Kenny. Yeah. Enjoyed it. I um, always enjoy it. Enjoy listening to everything that you do. God is good. God is good. So no matter what. No matter what. There you go. God is good <laughs> yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Okay. For those of you who are listening, uh, we'll be right back here next Monday morning. And I'm going to go ahead and kind of give you a hint of who's coming next week. Um, some of you may remember the musical group, country musical group back in the late 80s, Shenandoah. And next Monday morning, our special guest is Marty Rabin. Marty is the lead singer of Shenandoah. So when you hear those familiar words, Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Uh, be tuned in, tuning in to uh, Redemption's Table. Glad you're with us today. Thank you again, Kenny, for being with us. Yep. Y'all have a great 2020. <laughs>